Me, 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 me. Welcome to the Tape to Tape podcast. Rory Boylan, Sportsnet's Luke Fox in the booth today. Boys, how much basketball do you watch? College basketball. I watch college basketball. Not NBA. I watch most Duke Blue Devils games. Do you really? Yeah. That's I, impressive. Oh. <laughs> How much I'll, NBA, I'll, Luke? NBA? How much Raptors? I, I, I'd say Raptors. You do watch. And then, and then once the playoffs start, I'll get into the all the playoffs. So I yeah. don't watch much basketball, including the Raptors, but basketball hot stove, I'm saying this on the NBA trade deadline, is absolutely my favorite sport. With apologies to hockey, I honestly yeah. think oh, basketball it, hot stove is my favorite thing. <laughs> and I keep thinking as I'm watching these you know, the deals that actually are happening and the endless speculation and how flippin' fun it is. Can we get something in the next NHL CBA where contracts are limited to like three years? Because yeah. that's the thing <laughs> in the NBA. It's so crazy how, like, could you imagine if John Tavares had become a UFA in 2018 for the third time in his 20s? Like, yeah. it's just crazy to think about players moving like that and the personalities and the way they express themselves and sure. they're nobody shy to ask for or demand trades or anything like that it's a living breathing soap opera oh man i'm jealous of people who get to cover that league sometimes because things change from one so, hour to the next so you don't fast. know what's gonna happen <laughs> and there's no delusions of loyalty no, no. everyone's no. out and for getting two guys can change yeah. your whole team like the yeah. knicks have done everything they can to be awful forever and if two really really good players are like you know what i still want to play in manhattan it's like boom you're basically <laughs> in the east final all right speaking of ufas we're obviously you know it's the time of year where we talk about ufas where they may be headed we're going to talk about a guy who could have been an rfa awesome matthews signed a nice contract with the maple leafs we're going to look at some once mighty teams the ducks the kings the blackhawks get a sense of uh, how long each team might be down for, who has the best prospects for getting back up. But Luke, I wanted to ask you, Rory and I are often here speculating in front of the microphones about guys like Ottawa's Matt Duchesne. You were in the Ottawa room very recently when they came through Toronto. You were looking into the man's soul. He, he says he doesn't know what his gut says. What does your gut say on where... Two really, really interesting guys, Duchesne, but but also Mark Stone. What do you think happens with those guys? It's really fascinating. And at the beginning of the season, I would have put all my money on Mark Stone staying and Matt Duchesne leaving. And that might have flipped a little bit. I was mm-hmm. really shocked at how Duchesne spoke about that group, you know, last Glowingly play. about Glowingly this, yeah. about the city, about the fans. And he said, you know what? Look, I know we don't have a lot of fans, but the ones that are there it has brought me back to my childhood, like looking at these kids and he's, you know, I think it's been a big difference, him playing in Colorado versus playing in his home province. And it's really touched him. And I think he really enjoys playing in a town where hockey matters and um, it's affected him. And I was floored. He said, this is the greatest group of guys in terms of morale and locker room camaraderie that he's ever been a part of. And which I'm like, this is a last place team. <laughs> oh, then you start going through his team zone. And you're like, oh, maybe it is. I don't know. It's yeah. been pretty rough. But yeah, yeah but you would I, think it'd be I, awful. He yeah. seems torn. He didn't set, talk the way a guy who knows he's getting traded or is in his last season with a team is. Because um, you can tell sometimes when someone's yeah. just not saying, right? Yeah, and absolutely. And I think on the ice, he's actually having his 
most productive year. He's you think of him as a superstar, but he's never had a point per game season. He's come close, but he's never had it. Uh, this year, he's ahead of a point per game pace. And if he remains in Ottawa, then he's a number one center. If he goes to another team, then he's he probably slots in uh, as a number two on any good good contending team. So it's what does he want? Um, he him and his new wife just had a brand new baby, and he's comfortable. He's he's close to where he grew up. So this is a, a big life decision. I mean, that apparently, according to Kiprios, they've offered him eight eight times eight, I, I believe, mm-hmm. which is is fair money for Nothing a guy of, of his caliber. Set him up for life, and he could have a nice life and maybe be part of that next wave, which isn't coming for another two years or so, but, um, or he can try and get, get into the playoffs. This is a guy who's played, I believe it's eight playoff games in 10 years, which is insane to me. Like if you're a hockey player, why don't you want to be rented out and go to Columbus Uh, and and Nashville? I feel like we have, wasn't that part of the reason he wanted to Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> so he wanted yeah. to be playing playoff games and for the Stanley Cup. Exactly. And now he loves it in Ottawa. <laughs> Flip it around and think about the notion of Mark Stone actually going to the open market. Man, how much money would you throw at that guy? Because, I mean, yes, even when you're talking about prime free agents, it can be a little dicey with cap considerations. But just knowing the complete player he is, like if ever there was a guy who I think at 26 years old, you'd be like, Let's offer him that extra one mil or half mil. It's got to be for maybe the only winger in the league who could win the Selkie. It would be something if he did get to the market. Well, all the talk this week after Matthew signed in Toronto was, okay, what's Mitch Marner going to cost as an RFA? So if you're talking about Mark Stone getting to the UFA market as one of the premier two-way wingers in the game, wingers generally don't get paid as much as centers for the most part. Um you know, is he more valuable than Mitch Marner? I would I would think so because of the two-way game that he brings. He's at least in that ballpark. And if you're talking about Mitch Marner as a 10 or $11 million player, and then you add in the factor that there's going to be more than one team betting on Mark people, Stone, yeah. Yeah, then that could take it to another level. And, and I don't know. That would be a fascinating case to watch play out. He's just someone I'd feel really good about pushing hard for. Sure. For. for sure. I yeah, mean, if ever there's a winger that's going to win the Selkie yeah. in this generation, he, he's right there. He's the one who's going to do it. Yeah, I had him number one on my mid, mid-year award Selkie ballots. Yeah, um, and I, I look at him as more – if I'm a, a GM, I'm more apt to commit eight years and more money to him than even Panarin. Like Panarin's more dynamic and he'll get you on the highlight reels. Right. But as far as a complete player and all the – intangibles off the ice I, I talked a little bit with brady kachuk who moved in with them and it's yeah. just like this guy's the role model he's mm-hmm. this consummate quiet lead by example guy coach's dream because he, he back checks like crazy creates turnovers and he, he's never had a, a big deal yet you know he just took one year in the summer it's like mm-hmm. this guy's this is his one chance Matthews trying to come off the boards, had a bouncing puck, knocked to the blue line, Gardner tees it up, and a weak shot, stop, rebound, scores! Austin Matthews! And the key to the goal is a bend shot from the blue line! Marner into the forecheck, tied up his man sufficiently, and Matthews couldn't hook up with Marlowe. And goalies go is the chant you're hearing here in Little Caesars. Centering pass by Matthews didn't work. Marlowe does get it in front. Scores! 
Snapshot Austin Matthews, and this game is tied at one. Huge news in Toronto, where the Maple Leafs have locked up Austin Matthews to a five-year contract worth $11.634 million per season. So Austin Matthews did take a big deal, though not as long a term as I think some expected. We kind of knew it wasn't going to be eight. Five got my attention. I was thinking it was going to be six. What did you guys make of the deal that will go five years and produce an 11.634 million dollar cap hit? Well, I mean, I just imagine that it saves at least a, at least a little bit of cap space yeah. um, versus paying him eight million dollars. If it was going years if, and the full, if it was going to be fourteen for eight years, you just couldn't yeah, do that, right? And it just it makes it a little bit more gives you a little bit more wiggle room to try and go for the Stanley Cup here over these next couple of years when you you have cap crunch to deal with. Um, I'm I'm interested to see how much of a game changer it is because it's not unique on its own. Like there's. You look at what Chicago did with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, and it's the same thing. They didn't sign huge deals off their ELCs. They signed, I believe they were both five years before they got their long terms. Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, it was the exact same thing. They they signed shorter deals before locking in long term. Now, the landscape was a little bit different. Like Crosby signed a 12- or a 13-year deal for his third contract, so he could he could do that where now the limit is eight. It's just that the recent precedent was very much that these guys were expected to sign for eight years right yeah. out of the uh, out of their ELCs. So that changes it. I wonder what it means for Marner. Like, does that make him more likely to sign for eight years or more likely to sign for four years? I, I don't imagine it would be in the Leafs' interest to have him also at five years and have him and Matthews again coming up at the same time, and then Tavares coming up a year after that again and have have all of this bunched up together. Um, it, it's fascinating. It's, I, I'm very amused about <laughs> the reaction in the city worrying about oh, what this means, if he's going to leave when this contract expires. And I can't imagine that he's even thinking that far out at this point. And it's, if he was trying to rush out of here, this would have been a four year deal, right? Yeah, and he would have got yeah, to the UFA as soon as I, it put expired. it this way. I mean, cause I, I'm, I have the, the nervous brain that could think that way if you're a Leaf fan, like for something like that to actually come to pass, the one precedent we have for it happened very recently, John Tavares, right? Mm -hmm. And think about everything that had to happen before Tavares finally made the agonizing decision to leave, right? Played for a dysfunctional organization largely for, you know, the first eight years of his career. The team that was pitching him was his hometown team, at a point in its history where its prospects have basically never been better. And it still took everything he had to leave a not great situation. So, I mean, yes, if you're Austin Matthews, okay. If you're any player, you might be enticed to look around the league, but realistically, after he's been here for eight years and is, you know, such a solid part of this team who knows what the team has achieved by then. I mean, it's, it's a little too flip. I think to think, oh, well, of course he'd want to go home and, and play with his hometown team, right? Like, it just is really rarely, 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 rarely that easy. Yeah, he likes it here. He's he's having fun. He's buddies with half the team. And they're and all young guys, they're right? They're young guys. Yeah. They know they're good. They, yeah, and I, I wouldn't worry about that. I I do believe that he would have preferred eight just for the security. And when you think back to last year when he had three separate injuries yeah. and shoulders, back, concussions, these are the kinds of things that could pop up again. 
so yeah, it's it, it's it's a bit of a concession on on him in terms of term, but not at all in terms of money. He he did not take any type of discount, and Dubas had no choice. You tank to get this guy, get you have guy. to sign him. Absolutely, yeah. I would have if I'm a Leafs fan. I would have liked to have seen management really push for six years instead that's of what five. I, I thought like, it was going to be six. It seems like a lot of money when you're only buying one year of UFA years. Like, could could he have spent another two weeks really pushing for six? I don't know. But he had no leverage. Mm-hmm. Matthews had all the leverage in the world. Dubas could not afford to, to do the Nylander thing again. No. This deal enables Marner to get you know, something similar. I, I can't see him coming in under 10. Um, the way he's, the way he's playing is just mm. phenomenal. So this is, this is the only way to, to get a window and your window is, is six playoffs. And like, like Rory said though, I think it's really important that management does its best to not have these guys come up on the same year yeah. again. <laughs> so we we talk a bit about <laughs> Marner, obviously because he's a teammate, but yeah. some other RFAs, Rory, you've been thinking about. Well, it's interesting because, yeah, I agree with you, Luke, that Marner is probably not going to come under 10, but Jack Eichel got $10 million on an eight-year deal. And again, centers historically get paid more than wingers. It's a center-driven league. All the best teams in the NHL have two really good centers and in some cases three. So the direct comparable for Matthews in terms of how this is going, what this is going to mean for the market is Marner because he's on the same team. But two guys really came to mind for me and what it's going to mean for them. And the first one is another winger in Patrick Laine in Winnipeg because he's comparable to Matthews in the sense that he's also a goal scorer. He scored 40 before has, I think one more goal than Matthews today in a bunch more games played but he scored only four goals since that 18 goal in November. So he's really up and down and everything like that. You wonder, does this set him up to be more likely to sign a short-term deal? Um, do you feel good about giving him eight years if you're Winnipeg? I'm not saying that I'm worried about the guy. Goal scorers are streaky. It's just, this is kind of extreme what he's been going through this year. And he doesn't really bring anything on the defensive end either. And just, you know, they have always been compared to each other since they were drafted. So how that plays out is going to be interesting to me. And the fact that he's a winger makes it interesting. And the other one is Braden Point, because barely anybody is talking about this guy in the season that he's having this year and the one that he had last year. So he's got back-to-back 30-goal seasons now. He's probably going to get to 40 goals this year. He does play on a loaded team. But when you're talking about how deep this RFA class is, they're almost all wingers. And Braden Point is the only other one who's a high-end center that is comparable to Matthews in that regard. I wouldn't expect that he would get the same money as Matthews on a five-year deal. I don't think he's as valuable and, and perceived that way. But why would he get less than Marner? He, he's a center who scores more goals, produces about the same number of points. You need centers, like I said, to, to win in this league. What's the case to be made that Marner should get paid more than Braden Point? He flies under the radar. And then, of course, the factor there is Tampa Bay is generally able to get their players to take less money. There's tax implications and everything like that. So maybe that influences this market. But it's interesting to me that he's really flying under the radar when he should maybe be talked about as a a big ticket player in the same way that Matthews and Marner are. Well, two things on point. I I think team cap and team financial structure matters a lot. So the fact 
Uh, I think Stamkos basically started the trend by taking a little bit less to stay there. Mm-hmm. Then Hedman did, then Vasilevsky, Kucherov at 9.5. So if point, you know, knocks it out of the park with 11, it's a bit, it's a bit different than, For sure. than Marner. Marner's, whatever Marner gets, it still might be under Matthews and Tavares. So it's like, are you, are you suddenly the highest paid He's he's not going to ask for more than Matthews, right? No. So uh, I think team dynamics come in into play there. Mm-hmm. Um, but point I think is absolutely is is incredibly valuable because he's their number one shutdown center. For sure. And Matthews kind of only sparingly is used in that role, and Tavares is is the main guy right now mm-hmm. for that. Like as a, as far as a two hundred foot player, I think there's a really strong case that points even better than Matthews. Well, not that not that Matthews couldn't grow in sure. and improve defensively. But right now points fabulous all over the ice. And I think it's just a bit of a, a different culture there, you know, in terms of what guys have taken and, and the tax breaks and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about some teams, Winnipeg, Toronto, Tampa, that are trying desperately to win the Stanley cup in the next little while. When we come back, we're going to talk about some teams that have climbed the mountain are now on the other side, trying to figure out what to do. The ducks well, it was a while ago, 2007, but Chicago and L.A., of course, won five of six Cubs from 2010 through 2015. Now, uh, sort of paying the price for it a little bit, but uh, maybe a little hope on the horizon as well. On the other side of the break, we're going to figure out what's next for some of these once mighty teams on Tape to Tape. The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the next generation GMC Sierra Denali, complete with the world's first six-function multi-pro tailgate. Net sliding around on the way to pond hockey? Use the built-in load stop to help keep them in place. Loading what seems like half a team's worth of bags? The tailgate also turns into a step for easier access and has an inner gate that flips down for unloading all the gear you can fit. GMC Sierra Denali. We are professional grade. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. Boys, we were just shaking our heads because... It sort of makes sense when you think about it that these teams, Anaheim, Chicago, L.A. would be down. But don't forget, like going back to the start of the season, like L.A. had signed Kovalchuk. The Kings were trying to trade for Max Pacioretty. Like they clearly thought they're going to be a playoff team. I think we all thought Anaheim would be a playoff team. Chicago had missed the playoffs, but felt like there was some bounce back potential. I mean, because of how ugly it is in the West, technically, maybe one of them could still get in. But are you surprised, period, just at how long a year it's been in these places? Uh, absolutely, especially uh, Anaheim surprises me. L.A., I felt like they were in a bit of denial when the, when they first cleared house and brought in a new GM and, and elevated John Stevens and were kind of like, we're still going for it. We just need a little mm-hmm. bit of retooling. I I kind of shook my head at that. I felt like, you know, they were chasing something that that was already slipping away. But Anaheim on paper, I was in that room earlier this week and you look at the nameplates and and 
you know, guys that are re- regarded as really good defensemen and and some some decent forwards that are now healthy in Raquel and Kessler and Getzlaff. Um and 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 you know, you could have made a case through the first 40 games that John Gibson was the best goaltender in the world. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they just can't win a game and they're getting blown out and um they just look like a disaster and on paper, they shouldn't be this bad. Um, so I think something's really rotten there. Uh, I think they need to change change the coach. I, I think they're they're crazy to think that Corey Perry's ever going to get it back. He looks like a shadow of himself, and and it, it hasn't just been one year. I think this is his third year where Perry hasn't right. been any good. Ryan Kessler, I think he's playing through a lot of pain, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like Ryan Kessler of old. Uh, you know, they, they gave out too much term to some of these guys and, and injuries have piled up. They they need to strip it down. So let's stick with the California teams first then, and then we'll do Chicago and in keeping with Anaheim, because it feels like there's the potential for the biggest change there as much as Bob Murray can. Mm-hmm. So I think we'd safely say that um, with two years left on his deal after this, as you mentioned, Luke, Corey Perry, I mean, the you know, the league hasn't done him any favors based on how it's changed in the last little while, right? I mean, Corey Perry was always a plotting guy, but man, uh, fantastic hands in front of the net. Um, but just at this point, it's a, it's a foot speed issue, right? So, I mean, two more years for him at basically 8.6. Kessler's got three years after this. I, I don't really see the scenario where anyone would be willing to pick up those deals unless you really sweeten the pot. But Getzlaff is intriguing. And we're talking about guys with no move clauses here, right? I mean, let's get that out of the way. But if things are going completely off the rails here and in the, you know, in the off season, you sit down with a guy and have a beer and say, you know, what do you feel about possibly moving on two more years for Getzlaff at 8.25. I kind of feel like maybe there would be someone out there who would be a little interested in that. I'm not convinced he doesn't have some really good hockey left. Yeah, I don't think he's the problem there. I don't think no, he's having a no. good season as to his standards, but I, I would go out and get him if I could. Yeah. For sure. For sure I would I would get that done. Whether or not he wants to leave Anaheim, I, it seems like he's pretty comfortable there and that might not be yeah. something he'd be open to, but um you know, this goes back to the end of last season when Anaheim got destroyed out of the playoffs and Bob Murray said at that time that we need to get faster. We're too slow. And and at that point, it sounded like they might be in for a summer of some potentially big changes trying to catch up to the NHL game. And then it didn't happen. They came back with basically the same team. And then the script almost happens the same way as last year where they open the season and the injury bug hits right away. And there's, a, you know, you're putting up guys like Isaac Lundestrom, who you just drafted in the first round in your roster, Kiefer Sherwood, you may not have done so with if you were fully healthy. And so you got off to a bad start. But even now that you're getting healthier again, it's very apparent that they are too slow. And and I think it's even deeper than that. Like there's something I, I, I don't know what it is. And I've asked our analytics writer, Andrew Berkshire, to next week on sportsnet.ca. Please explain to me, like, what is going on with this team that is almost the same as last year, but looks so much worse um, and because Bob Murray, uh, of those comments he made last season, and he even pointed out Corey Perry as one of these guys that needed to bring more, and I agree with you. Luke. I don't that's, think that's he has not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's done. Plus the way he plays the game, right? There's a lot of miles yeah. on that guy. But it seems yeah. like there, like anything could be on the table. Like Jacob Silverberg is a UFA. I mean, there are reports that they would rather sign him than trade him. You know, if, if you're looking to do something significant, 
I'm sure Ricard Raquel would draw a lot of interest, but he's got such a sweet contract that that's well, not something that you would want to do. We keep hearing the defensemen too, right? The Lindholm, defensemen, Fowler. there's a lot of guys there with term. Fowler signed for a long, long time. Hampus Lindholm is quietly one of the better uh, defensive guys in the NHL. But again, like $5.2 million cap it for another three years beyond this one. I mean, maybe that's what you have to do because you're going to get a lot of assets back for that. And at the same time, you look at their young guys, like you have Troy Terry's coming up. Lunistrom did show well when in, in his NHL games. Sam Steele is a 50-goal scorer in the WHL, and he's playing well in the AHL right now. There there are young players that are really, really close, if not already ready Com- to get Comtois. to the NHL. Comtois he yeah. has another one. Um, you know, and I, mean, and I mean, Gibson is a goalie for sure. the future who's going to be around for a long, long time. So I, I don't think it has to be, you know, a ground up rebuild or anything like that. But it is at the point where they are too slow. That is so clear. Something needs to happen. And you're not going to get the assets back you need in a trade for Corey Perry or Ryan Kessler. That's when you start asking, maybe they do have to trade a Fowler or a Lindholm just to just to get what they need. So if you look at the Kings, do you think everyone is on the table for conversation minus Kopitar and Doughty? <sighs> and sure I guess it seems the- that way. I mean, Toffoli, I think would be a slam dunk to get out of there. If, if you could, um, I, if I could trade Carter, I would, uh, I think you'd have to keep some of that salary though, because that's a huge risk for a team taking him on that. He He's also a guy who isn't going to return to the scoring levels that he once had. And he's got injury concerns um, but but I would be more worried about the Kings than the Ducks because I don't think that they have hmm. the same amount of young guys really knocking on yeah, that door. They don't really have much. Yeah, coming. like you're gonna get you're gonna get somebody high in the draft this year. It looks like, but there's 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 not much else beyond that. So that's what I would be worried about with them, and that's why. I would be thinking long and hard about trading guys like Jonathan Quick. Even I would be looking to get him out of there because they actually do have some goalies who might be able to fill that and you would probably be able to get some assets back for a guy like quick, especially if a team like Columbus, knowing that they're not going to have Bobrovsky next year, but still potentially a team that could hang around as somewhat of a contender, or at least be getting into the playoffs. If you could get a goalie like quick who granted does have his own injury concerns, um, but he's a phenomenal playoff goalie and he could get you a long ways on his own. So th- I think there would be teams that would be willing to buy into that I would even I would even put Doughty potentially on the table if if you could get back what you know a big big haul which I think you might be able to um, because th- this team is not working it's it's done no. it's it's come and gone and they need to start all and over you, again and you won your two cups so yeah. I mean that's the thing and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much but I mean you mentioned it Luke about Duchesne like us sitting here it's just you can't wrap your brain around not wanting to be in the best what looks like the best position to win. If I'm Doughty and I got a new eight-year contract that kicks in next year, like, I mean, I understand living in L.A. is fantastic, but do I want to sit here at 29 years old and think, well, I could spend the next four years, the end of my prime on a rebuilding team, or would I sit down and be like, all right, let's talk about the five teams I'd be willing to go to. Like, it just, to me, just seems like you'd be looking at it as, I had this amazing chapter of my career, now it's time for a different chapter, you know? Or he could look at it as, I have two rings, I have two gold medals, <laughs> I have millions in the bank, I go to the rink and flip-flops, <laughs> Yeah. no one bugs me. Don't come to me I, with any trade requests. Fair enough. Like, does he want to go, go live in Columbus? Like, <laughs> I don't, you know, it's just, like, maybe he's fine. Yep, yep, fair um, enough. And, and he had, and he's, you know, he's got 
Norris trophies. He'll probably end up in the hall. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the, at what the desire level to win more um, is if it means disrupting his lifestyle. It'd be curious to know because if, if that's what I'm, he wanted, he could have went to free agency. But sure. at that, and, and, but at and, that and, time, and, and just and just you sure know, sniffs just around, sniff. Sure, yeah. Uh, it would be funny if because he would be in total control of the situation if they ever came to him about trading. He's like, okay, trade me, but I love living in California. I want to go to San Jose. Yeah, they need <laughs> yeah. another really good defenseman. Yeah. <laughs> if they lose Carlson, I mean. <laughs> so where do we put the team that's won three cups then, the Blackhawks? And I'm going to write about this next week, uh, the the bounce back potential for, I mean, we touched on it here. It looks a little bleak for the Kings, but for both these teams, what do you guys think? Because uh, it, this will now be the uh, second straight year or third straight year out of the playoffs, second straight year out of the playoffs for Chicago. They were swept in 2017 by Nashville before the Preds went to the final. But all of a sudden, I think we have to start with Dylan Strom, a guy who's yeah. give him two more weeks. He's going to be a point per game player here with Chicago. Quite a development. I mean, even before this year, you were looking at Debrinket was a great young ad. I mean, Patrick Kane is doing what Patrick Kane is doing. He could win the scoring title. Jonathan Taves is a point-per-game player. I mean, the problems have obviously been Corey Crawford's health, and that's a that's a long-term question. And the back end, I mean, they still have that um, onerous Brent Seabrook, Seabrook deal. Yeah. That's really tough. But you, yeah. you look, if you narrow it to the forwards, not just in terms of how good their, their pillar guys, their legacy guys still are or could be, They've kind of found some new guys here, it seems like, and you wonder if, like, is this a a touch-up job, or do you think there's still a lot of pain to come? I feel the best about Chicago, of all these teams. Yeah, of, of those three. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned Strom, 24 points in 30 games since they traded for him. Uh, Alex DeBrincat, who somehow falls to the second round of his draft after having three 50-goal seasons in the OHL, uh, he scores 28 as a rookie. He's got 26 already this year, so he's going to be a 30-goal scorer, and he's looking great. Patrick Kane is still on top of his game and one of the premier scoring wingers in the game. Uh, Jonathan Taze has had a bounce-back season from a he's down year last year. Himself, still a really yeah. good two-way player. Um, so there's there's a lot of young guys up front, I think, that are pushing a little bit there. And uh, there's a, there's more questions on the back end. But Eric Gustafson has stepped up. He is now the power play quarterback on that top unit, getting a ton of minutes there, and he's almost a point-of-game player over the last two months or so. And then you think back to the draft last year, Adam Bockfist, who they got in the first round. Um, and then a, another guy on, on the NHL team this year, Henry Yokiharu, yeah. who they let go to the World Juniors. He looked good there, and he's logging a fair amount of minutes too. And what Jeremy Colleton is doing is he's giving these guys an opportunity to play that Joel Quenville didn't always allow his younger guys to get. And so they're, they're getting these kind of exposures to tougher minutes, tougher matchups and everything like that. And it's going to be a tough season. It's going to be, I, I think that there's still a long shot to make the playoffs because of all the teams that they still have to leapfrog, even if they're close in points. But to me, like this is a good building season for them, and and Colin Delia, another guy, a, a rookie goalie, and he's having a, a great showing there. So they might come back next year, and I would think they would be a pretty good, a decent candidate to bet on as one of these teams that 
comes back from the abyss and gets into the playoff picture next year. Yeah, I think a lot of it with them comes down to goaltending. And, you know, Cam Ward, you know, was maybe a nice nice idea on paper to try and give Corey Crawford some support with a a veteran because last year they they threw young guys in there and it it didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But um, at least they only gave Ward... Uh, one year so he, he he comes off the book so maybe they can get a, a decent backup because Corey Crawford's issues just keep lingering yeah. and lingering but if they had above average goaltending we'd be talking about them being in a wild card spot now probably well yep. these guys definitely have some seller potential here as we work toward the trade deadline as we promised each episode here leading up to the February 25th deadline we're going to check in with the trade market that's what's up next we're going to get The boys' thoughts on uh, the latest rumors, who might be buying, who might be selling, who might be a nice fit where. That is coming up when we return on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? Sportsnet Now is the product for you. Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all your favorite Sportsnet original programming, and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, even though it only happens for one month in February, and it actually changes every week. Last week, it was we're heading down to uh, the market. This week, we're going to see what's cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, whatever we call it, you get the point. We are talking about where big-time, mid-range, low-range, whatever you want to talk about, players, because there could be a lot on the move, where they could wind up. Some are rentals, some have some term left, but we're hoping for some action here. We've seen Jake Muzzin already to the Leafs. Brian Boyle, as we record this, we're in that dangerous time fellas where 24 hours between uh recording and releasing anything could happen but brian boyle on the move to uh almost said vegas to the national predators the most recent uh trade there still lots to talk about lots to speculate about rory you looking at winnipeg we know they made a big play last year with paul stastny kind of seems like they might be ready to do something big again yeah winnipeg i think for sure is going to get a, a center out there and there's Four of them uh, specifically that come to mind, uh, Derek Broussard, Kevin Hayes is one that might fly under the radar a little bit, a good uh, little playmaking kind of guy. Do you bet, Let me just go back yeah. to Broussard. Do you think yeah. if you look at him and what he did in Pittsburgh, which was a big nothing in a year, you're banking on new situation, hopefully buy low candidate? What do you think? I would hope it's a buy low, but well, the way he was, you know, you hear him talking about it after he left and that his frustration, I guess, was that he was used as a third line player and wasn't getting as many minutes as he's used to. And that was hurting his scoring. So 
Maybe, but he comes with a little bit more risk than he otherwise would have, too. Maybe he's incentivized to just throwing it out there. Yeah. I mean, uh, 12 months ago, questions. we 12 months ago, you know, he was a guy you looked at and thought could really help your team. Well, that's the thing why Winnipeg would be connected to him because they wanted him last yeah. year. And then they lost out on him and were able to get Paul Snazny uh, a little later, um, right on the deadline. Um, but now there's... You know, there there are some rumors. Ken Weeb of the uh, Winnipeg Sun was writing that, yeah, Winnipeg is probably in on a center, but they also might get in on a winger or two. And if someone like Artemi Panarin or Mark Stone becomes available. The Winnipeg Winni- boy. Winnipeg native, yeah. yeah, right, that they might take a huge run at that. And that that's really interesting because that's so out of character for what Kevin Sheveldayev has done. But like the Leafs, like they're about to hit a big cap crunch, and this might be their last... Not their last shot, but their last best shot when some of these guys, Kyle Connor, Patrick Laine, are on their entry-level deals. Josh Morrissey's not making a lot. Um, that they can really go all in and go like just go fully at this Stanley Cup. Yeah, because I, I think their defense is going to take a hit next year with Tyler Myers and Jacob Truba mm-hmm. coming up. I, I don't see how they can keep both of them. It's going to be tough, you know, once they have to pay Line A and, and Kyle Connor. And I think Shevel Dayoff learned from, from last year. One, I, I thought they made the best rental pickup in Paul Stastny. That put everyone in their right spot, knocked Brian Little down, and he was absolutely fantastic for those guys. And two, during the playoffs... Connor and uh, Nick Ehlers both went through really bad goal slumps, which probably is maybe the reason why they're also considering a winger, realizing that they need as much scoring as possible. And line A, as as we all know, is a streaky guy. So if he dips at the wrong time, Mm -hmm. you can't have too many scores. So that's probably why he's he's looking around, knowing that the window is going to close pretty soon. Rory, most of the talk about Dallas, including on this podcast, this year centered on the absolutely bizarre, crazy situation where uh, CEO Jimmy Lights just lit up Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan kind of quietly in the aftermath of that. Dallas is, you know, fairly secure in a playoff spot in a Western Conference where there's a bunch of teams that just don't seem to want to jump up and take a spot. Do you think Dallas might go out there? I mean, clearly there's a sense of urgency there given, you know, comments like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Nill is, you know, probably could be safely called on the hot seat at this point. That's what Sean Shapiro said. Yeah, on this and Dallas yeah. hasn't hesitated to make big moves under Nil. Could they push in? Yeah, and so I'm wondering if there is a bit of an arms race brewing in that central division among the top three teams because, like we said, Winnipeg's in on forwards. We know Nashville's in on forwards. I can't imagine they're done with Brian Boyle and, and Cody McLeod. Like, they're going to do something for their top six. You look at the wingers on that second line right now, and right now it's Boyle, Callie Yarncroc on the other side. I think they had hopes that Kevin Fiala would take that, and he hasn't taken that step forward that um, some had hoped for. So they could be in for a big-time winger, too. And then you look at Dallas, and, and that is their obvious need. They've split up that top line. So Jamie Benn is, has been separated from uh, Tyler Sagan and uh, uh, Alexander Radulov. So they need some wingers. If they can get a center, I, I'm sure that they would try and target something along those lines, too. They, they, need, they need to give themselves a second scoring line. And so now you look at the playoffs, and they are seven points clear of St. Louis, who is sitting in ninth place in the West right now, and just eight points back of Nashville with two games in hand. Now, I don't think they're going to catch Nashville, but now they're in that discussion of 
they're more comfortably in the playoffs than they ever have been um, this season. So now you got to think maybe that first round pick could be on the table. Whereas if you're on that borderline of in the playoffs or not, maybe it's not. Uh, and then do you consider moving any of any of your prospects or anything like that? Because if, if your GM is on the hot seat and your CEO and owner have this expectation that this is the team that's going to make some kind of a run, um, they might be more motivated buyers than we think. I, I don't think that they should be, but everything that's going on behind the scenes with that team and now looking at where they're sitting in the standings, they might be bigger factors at the deadline in terms of being a buyer than originally thought. Yeah, and ownership's not afraid to spend there. Like, remember, they, right. they were hunting for Eric Carlson. Yeah. They poked around on Tavares. Like, the, they go after the big fish, and then when their guys come up, and need big deals like Ben and Sagan, they pay them. So I, I think they're completely in go-for-it mode. And, and if there was any lingering doubt about that, I think the Andrew Cogliano trade, you know, giving away a younger guy in, in Devon Shore for some leadership and a guy who's been through the playoff battles in, in Cogliano, I think that shows that they're in it for now. And I, I totally believe that if they miss the playoffs, then Jim Nill's job is in doubt. I, I don't think he can go through another coach. No. So a couple other stealth buyers I know you're thinking about, Luke. Vegas went to the cup final last year. You still kind of almost forget about Vegas in the shuffle a bit. But, I mean, that's a team that has three 2020 second-round picks from all the wheeling and dealing going back to the expansion draft. So they've got some capital. And, I mean, the the Islanders, it's almost time to stop talking about them as a surprise playoff team and a team that just could flat-out win that division wouldn't you love to see them go out and make a strong move to try and not just get in, but maybe win a round or two? Yeah, I, I think Vegas is is, is going to go for it. And it's, it's not a team people are talking about uh, as a buyer. I think maybe because they did so much work in the offseason, like going out and, and getting Pacioretty. Who's starting to heat up, by the way. Yeah, and, and I think it's those picks. Like you mentioned the three seconds, but this year they have three-thirds and three-fifths. Um, from all that that smart wheeling and dealing McPhee did uh, around the time of the expansion draft, so they they have assets to spend, and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if he used them and is is going for a little bit more uh, scoring, scoring power up front because also um, Eric Holla we we don't really know if or when he's coming back that injury continues to linger, so um, I, I think it's one of those teams that we're not talking about that's in go for it mode. And I think ownership would be all for it as well. The Islanders feel like a team that uh, if Duchesne does go out there, that might be a fantastic fit because obviously they lost, you know, a huge center in Tavares. They have Barzell. Um, Duchesne brings that versatility. If he can also slide out to wing, I just wonder if given that the Islanders drafted uh, twice in the top 11, I think they had the 10 and 11 or 11 and 12 last year and got Wallstrom and Dobson, they they have to feel pretty good about their 2018 draft. It wouldn't be the end of the world to give up your 2019 first-round pick if you're the Islanders. Uh, and I think it'd just be kind of fun if they were sort of pushing their chips in a little. Yeah, it's like a, a player we didn't expect to, to be here. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and, and Lou Lamro keeps his cards so tight to the vest that we don't really know what he's thinking. And there, there's a couple directions you could go. The one thing about the picks, if he gives up a first or a second, they've already spent their third and fourth in this upcoming draft. So do you want only one pick for the first, first four rounds? I don't know. 
But there's some creative things he could do just because he has so many guys on expiring deals. Brock Nelson, do you move him out for someone that's that's better right now? Because they're going to have to pay Anders Lee. Uh, Eberle's up for a new deal. Um, Michael Del Cole and Anthony Bouillevier. Like they, they got a, like a bunch of guys that are going to be got, knocking on the door asking for raises. Robin so, Lehner. <laughs> yeah, Robin Lehner. Breakout season. Yeah. So, you know, um, there. I think the Islanders are a team that could be a player and not just the strictly rental sense that there could be some more creative type deals yeah. going on with them. What a win that would be for the fan base. Oh my if God. There are now buyers at the trade. Deadline. There's times <laughs> where I think you only buy when you think you have a chance at the Stanley cup. And I know, uh, you know, Elliot Freeman has referenced a number of times. That's how Lou Lamorello operates, but Getting to the final four is like winning the cup for the Islanders. The year after Tavares leaves, given everything that's gone on, I just think it would be massive for that team to go that far. So it is. It's like Luke said. It's fun that there's kind of this mm-hmm. player you didn't expect that's in there. And and I think there's a real incentive in that division to avoid the 2-3 matchup. Yes. Like if you can win the, the Metro and get to play one of the wild cards, maybe one of the softer. Except, uh, except one of the Toronto. wild cards might end up being Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, it might be, or, <laughs> or Toronto. Yes, it could, or it could be Montreal. Or, yes, you know, right. or, yeah, yeah, yeah. If Buffalo, Buffalo sneaks in, you'd, yeah. you'd clearly rather see the Canadians take your chances there sure. uh, than seeing Washington or Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, for sure. Or uh, like Columbus or maybe is probably going to get Columbus is squeezed. weakened by then. We That's don't right. know. So, yes. Um, Push forward is yeah, the point. Yeah. Get home ice. Yeah. Yeah, lots of fun, fellas. Lots of fun. Luke, fun as always having you. Thanks for swinging by. Are you going to Montreal for the big Habs Leafs tilt on Saturday? I am. And you know what? It could be a potential playoff preview. There's a chance for it. My my money's still on Leafs Boston, but wouldn't that be something? I I hope that's a first round match. Please give that to us. Please. (laughs) Especially the Leaf fans must be hoping for that because I don't really think they want to see Boston in the first round. Rory, fun as always. Where can the friends find you on Twitter? At Rory Boylan. Myself, at Dixon on Sports. Luke? At Luke Fox Jukebox. Check out the Tape to Tape podcast on sportsnet.ca. Subscribe in iTunes and check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.